Hello, we're starting, Dan. Be professional. I've got Who's Mr. Guest thing? coming. No, we're starting. Who, is, who is this guest? You've got a guest coming? Yeah, I've got a special guest coming. I don't believe yeah, him. Right. Yeah, 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 special guest is someone that we've had on the show before. Where the yeah, beer flows fast, free and frictionless. But on today's show, <laughs> I miss I missed the hi-hat thing. We're going to talk about Design Day, uh, CCNA, and the Ninjas. I'm your host, Dan Jones, with me is Brian Dodds, Chris Roberts, and just the least important, least capable Brian. Mr. <laughs> <laughs> Alan Blake. Okay, witty. Why are you wearing your glasses? Are you trying to make yourself look more intelligent today? Do you know what it is? It's because I'm wearing my glasses more often when I'm sat in front of a screen, and sometimes I do forget that they're on and it does help me to um read as I you can't take you seriously age, with them on as you get to my age your eyes start to kind of you know deteriorate so you need to um wear glasses to be fair mate when you do get to 65 most bodily functions do <laughs> deteriorate from you bodily functions i mean <laughs> the context of that isn't the same as your eyes starting to go mate is it no just to be honest with me i was giving you a bit of a get out of jail free card for pissing your pants most of the time so <laughs> <laughs> I only did that in your bed. Um, uh, Alan, did you say that you invited someone to the pub tonight? I have yes. not turned up. <laughs> I've told him to come in. I don't know how long it's going to take him, but he's uh, he's on his way. I think. Right. Okay, is he yeah. is he on his way like the Just Eat Man is always on his way? <laughs> like, yeah. It's always like. Just Where's even my taxi? with you in 25 minutes. Yeah, but you said that 10 minutes ago. Yeah, but he's on his way. You ring up again 10 minutes later. Oh, oh. hold on. We've got another oh. screen. Oh. Here he is. Here he is. There he's there. Mystery guest has arrived. Hi, mystery guest. Please introduce yourself. Hello. Come on down. Uh-oh. We're in trouble. Uh, there. <laughs> The last yeah, time Mr. Mackenzie was on. What's going on? I'm the only one with a pub background. Oh, yeah. Oh, we're going back to that, oh, are we? Mate. <laughs> I thought you guys were going to be professional. Yeah, fair put play. The wrong, put podcast, really, for professional. Oh, is this the wrong one? Okay, I'll leave then. Yeah. Um, sorry. Nice having you, Peter. Cheers, Peter. Thanks for that. Cheers. <laughs> Bye-bye. Bye-bye. <laughs> Uh, it's all good. Well, welcome, Peter. Welcome. Oh, thank you. Thank you for having me. Dan's lost his license, so he can't give you a drink. Well, I was promised a drink, so you know. It's it's bring and share. And to be oh, fair, no. he said he'd run out of CO two gas anyway. I, so I haven't got any uh, quiche with me for bring and share. So uh, quiche. Ugh. That poor man's pizza, in it quiche. Yeah, it's the fact that it's normally cold as well. Disgusting. <laughs> it's served out. It's, it's it's put out usually just because there's going to be a vegetarian. And it's easy to get a vegetarian quiche, so just give them the food that nobody's going to like, and off you go. Yeah. <laughs> Alan's now got a big picture of Sam Clements behind his head. Uh, <laughs> his his love child. <laughs> Yes, this is this is uh, Sam behind me. Hey, we got a, we got a conversation with Sam tomorrow, we Peter. We have indeed. Yeah, I'm looking what forward to it. What are you talking about? What we're we talking about, Alan? Well, I don't want to have a clue. 
that Peter disagrees with Sam, and I'm. It depends. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I, I like how I'm all. I disagree with Sam because actually normally I agree with him, so it might be a bit disappointing conversation. But I'll do my best to disagree with him. Can you can you talk about it now? Because to be honest, this won't get published out for at least a month. So yeah, exactly. Yeah, by the time Alan's got to. And if you want a disappointing conversation, you're in the right place. Yeah. <laughs> and the only person that listens is Germond when he can be bothered. Yeah. I think we're talking about um, wireless design methodologies. Again? I think so. I, I don't really know. Um, but, but particularly Sam's little chat that he um, published. It seems a bit complex, that. Spider diagrams or whatever it is. I don't quite understand it. You've got three triangles, some are bigger than others, and it just seems a bit convoluted. So so if you listen to our chat tomorrow, you'll it'll mm-hmm. all become clear. Exactly. That's that's what why we're doing it. And you see by tomorrow we mean we mean the fourteenth of October twenty twenty one. It'll yeah. be in the past tense. <laughs> but three weeks ago. I'll be honest, I won't get this out and published in time for tomorrow, so and it's going to pass us by. So we can actually talk about it as if it's happened. Oh, okay. So anyway, so yeah, great interview uh, I won the argument. Alan <laughs> <laughs> well, And Sam said it depends. <laughs> yeah. I actually think I know why you disagree with him, by the way. I, I, I don't fully disagree. I... No, you do. You were adamant. When we had the discussion, you put your foot down. You said, I'm disgusted and I'm adamant that I disagree with him. <laughs> this is wrong. And you ran off on one, one hell of a rave <laughs> a rant, Pete. I was quite surprised. And I was like, my God, I had to rein him in, let everybody, right? And... Uh, absolutely. I think I just said, am I allowed to disagree with him? I think that was my correction. <laughs> that, that wasn't meaning that I, 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 I necessarily do. All right. Um, I took it out of context, but that's what I do. Okay, yeah. That's fine. You're allowed to take things out of context. So why did why didn't we why didn't we explain what you agree slash disagree with? Because that that might be useful. So uh, uh, are we missing something? We need to do the drinks bit first. We're in a pub. Nah. We're all gonna be thirsty. <laughs> Have you bought a special drink, mate? <laughs> yeah, let's do <laughs> let's, let's, let's do the special drink intro for Christian. <laughs> <laughs> Go on then, go on then, Chris. What what have you what drink have you got, mate? Well, I don't I don't know if you've noticed, but I've been absent for a while, um, no, and no. I've been I, I've been rediscovering myself. So I've I probably mentioned this before, but a while ago, uh, my mum bought me a DNA test for Christmas, and I discovered that I was seventy five percent Scandinavian, and the remainder English. So is that I'm, why you're I'm so va- white? Well, I'm a Viking, Brian. So I've been growing a beard. Nice. You're, you're, but, you're, not, you know, you're, not, you're not ginger. Because to be fair, the Vikings were you ginger, are the they? whitest ma- <laughs> white are. man I've ever seen. Uh, what? You are the whitest white man I've ever seen. It's just a light in his house. It's not, because he doesn't have the lights on. He lives in the Ooh, orchard. Oh, look. Now. Change my life. <laughs> but anyway. You're like a ghost. Your face is, the, your face is emitting light, then. The Vikings it's were so famously white. <laughs> That's what I'm saying, but you are, you are generally like the I whitest white man. I can change my colour as well. Oh, well, let's check it out. Right, anyway, <laughs> stop distracting me. Um, so, yeah, you could say I was a, a Bjorn again Viking. Um, oh I've been God. I've been learning my heritage, learned oh some Norse code. Can we mute anyway, Norse code? <laughs> <laughs> um, Who gave him the platform? Who gave him the opportunity to do this? 
So, as, as you all know, I'm from Yorkshire, which is a famously Viking place. It comes from the uh, the, the Viking kingdom, Jorvik. Um, so the Vikings, uh, they landed in uh, a place called Linda's Farm. And uh, it's a drink I've got here, some Linda's Farm mead. That was sort of in the, I think it was the 9th century. So I'll be trying that soon. I'm guessing it's disgusting. Mead is um, Chris Frank, by the way. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, so I can imagine. But anyway, uh, the... that, that's how much I was allowed. Oh, he's not said... Oh, yes. So, so you know, you, 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 people love you more than me because that's the bottle I got brought. Um, it's because you don't have a Viking beard, Peter. That's why. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Peter obviously is a Viking because he, he lives in Humberside, and you know the Vikings landed in North Humberland. No, he, he he lives in Hull, which is the underside of a of a Viking vessel. <laughs> a hull. Well, there is there, there is. You go. He's got he's got the... more of a claim on it than Hold you on. have. In yeah. in the whole maritime I, museum, I don't, there is I don't a, agree with this because Viking longboat. The Vikings actually landed. Uh, came in through the River Tyne. In fact, they landed in Jarrow, and the Jarrow shopping centre was called the Viking Centre. I'm not denying you're a Viking. I mean, so anyway, this is where I'm going with this. I, I did like a history podcast. It is. I did some research. Fences. I've been doing some research on you guys, um, Peter. Alan didn't tell me you were coming, but you know you're from Yorkshire, so clearly a Viking. Um, anyway, so really? I'll start. I'll start with you, Dan. So I've been looking into like the heritage of people in Somerset and Cheddar. It's quite boring. The Vikings got there, but they fucked <laughs> off because I thought they don't here. But the surname Jones, um, it's it's a Christian surname again, not Viking. Um, it came from the Hebrew Johan. Um, just a little fact about people with a surname Jones: their average lifespan is two or three years less than the average human. So. Is that because there's so many in Wales? Probably, yeah. Is a... <laughs> that's, okay. not un- that's not unusual. Well, yeah, there's Tom Jones, famously. Um, <laughs> the sex machine. That is, he is probably um, related to most people in Wales through uh, implanting his seed all over the place. <laughs> a very Viking-like Trait. way of... Yeah, right. Um, so then, Alan, um, surname Blake, obviously. You, you are from uh, the north as well, so... yeah. <laughs> Quite close related to the Vikings. Um, apparently, the surname Blake could have or, uh, originated from uh, one second. Let me read this: a Viking uh, Norwegian village called Blake. Um, <laughs> and it's also the name of one of the Irish clans who uh, were defeated by the Vikings, Ivar the Bloodless. And then finally, Ryan Dodds. It's a Welsh surname first. Wasn't it Ivar the Boneless? Ivar the Boneless. That's the one. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what did you say about my surname? Well, it's it's a Welsh surname, but it was first recorded no, in Cheshire. Not. Yes, but <laughs> it comes from the... Gen- this is the best thing about it. It comes from the Germanic word for round and lumpish. <laughs> no, I, I wouldn't agree with that. Even if it's not true, that's amazing. <laughs> I mean, that's the most accurate it's... fact we've heard this evening from you, Chris. One, one to be fair, mate, I'll, I'll, I'll accept that. <laughs> I won't accept the Welsh part because there's, there's nothing Welsh about me at all. On my family, <laughs> I won't. I won't accept that at all. all right. So, like I said, I went, I went to York, um, discovered my roots. I've got some uh, Linda's fan made, and I've also got a little uh, Viking shot glass. Look, it's uh, oh, nice. made from a uh, plastic, but it's supposed to be an animal. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were going to say something like it's made from like lava stone or something. <laughs> no, it's cheap plastic. and shit. So I'm going to try some live on air. Linda's fan made. I can't wait to see your face. Like, it's fucking on. savage. Live on air, it doesn't exist. It's pre-recorded. <laughs> pre-recorded Mead. on air. Mead is so good. Mm, Proper savage. Skull. 
and skull. And if I have this, my head will be a bit far. <laughs> Fuck no. Right. <laughs> I've, done. I've also got I've, I've got some brew dog here for Jane and some uh, rum. Nice. Nice. What's the right question? Yes. Oh, my, mine. Um, so my heritage stems from the. Uh, no, I'm joking. I've just got punk IPA because that's, oh. that's that's that's. Standard. Think, well, it's kind of Scottish, isn't it? It's brewed in Scotland, which is close to the Viking borders of Viking Viking area. So Dan Law. Dan Law. So that's that's actually to be fair. I actually stopped working for a Danish company today. So is that close enough? And. Your phone's got Bluetooth. I don't think it's another food in Scotland at all. So, um, that's not incorrect fact. No, I'm brewed down south. I thought Brewdog were from Scotland. Brewdog. Uh, yeah, they've got a. You're a shareholder, Ryan. Has he still got? No, them cheeky bastards sent me an email asking for more money. And you sent it right. No. He <laughs> <laughs> just bought more shares instead. <laughs> uh, I have also got a big glass. So I was going to drink my meat out of it, but... You need, a, you, need, you need to drink out of a Viking horn. You know that, don't you? Well, the Vikings didn't wear horns. That's a stereotype, and we don't like it. <laughs> Bordering on racism. <laughs> right, okay. Ryan, what are you drinking, mate? Um, so I've been out all day and I've not had a chance to get any beer, but I now have the world's smallest bottle of Coke. That is small. Yeah, I know. I don't know why. So you're just, going, you're just going with Coke? you got a dry yeah. house? Harry Bows. <laughs> okay, fine. That's my take. Well, well I've, got, I've got some red wine. Let start. me guess. It's not a satin earth to pap, actually. It's a Rioja. Um, and then I've got some Ginger Joe alcoholic ginger beer. Yeah. Like hey, that's a, nice. As like a chaser. So uh, happy with that. Like an partridge drink, that, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Peter, are you drinking or are you... I have got some... I've got some hazy Jane to keep me oh, me. Nice. I don't know why Jane is hazy, but um, I've got a posh glass to drink it out of as well. So beauty. Um, you know, and I've just checked, Alan. It, it, Brewdog is brewed mainly in Scotland, but they have a brewery in the south as well. I only knew that because I drove past the one in the south ones. I can't all believe. I can't believe all you the good beer comes from the south one. I can't believe you doubted me. So I, I, I but where your tin was brewed, I'm not sure. <laughs> let me uh, let me just log into my shareholders account now. <laughs> oh, I love um, it. Have you retired like me? There you go. Look at my, my, my posh glass. Do you like it? Yeah, oh, nice. I've noticed yeah. that if you do drink from a glass, it's not as gassy. You're not always kind of going all the time. It's when you drink out of cans and bottles, or is that just me getting old? <laughs> <laughs> well, what's your bottle made out of, Al? CO2. <laughs> Brilliant. Uh, it's made out of glass, isn't it? Right. So is, it, is this a scientific explanation? No, I'm just asking you. You said that if you drink it out of a glass, it's no, different. 
Yeah, because it allows the bubbles to evaporate because there's more um, space. It's bigger on top. Exactly. Whereas if you're in a bottle or a can, there's a little kind of little gaping hole big enough for you to take a swig out of. This is like a year six school. Day. <laughs> We've done history. We're doing science. What next? Geography. <laughs> Should we actually do some Wi-Fi? Oh, let's go to university and talk about Wi-Fi. Come on. <laughs> okay. we, we've got the professor in. Remember last time he was on, he destroyed us. We started asking you questions, I think. Um, yeah, we were like, Peter, just stop it, will you? You're stealing our thunder. <laughs> or making us look how stupid, and we are stupid. So, and, and yeah, wasn't, wasn't that on the Podathon thing? It was. Wasn't it? Yeah. That was fun. Podathon. That seems like ages ago. Yes. It was uh, 2020. No. 2019. It was it was a lockdown thing, wasn't it? Yeah. It was 2020. So last that was only last year. Yeah. Oh, we should do another. You've aged one. quite a bit since then, haven't you, Al? <laughs> <laughs> so that His memory's going as well. That's what it is. <laughs> my memory lost. my memory went ages ago, Dave. Don't worry about it. <laughs> Who's Dave? <laughs> so Peter, you're speaking at the design day. Oh yes, I am. Yeah. What are you What are you speaking on? Yeah, I need to plan that. Um, <laughs> I'm speaking on the title is the art of analysis. Okay. And it's I, I wanted to talk about exactly that actually the the um, uh, analysis as an art form, not as a science. Oh, you, mean, okay. you mean with a paintbrush instead of a MacBook or a Windows machine? Basically, yeah, more or less. Um, because uh, lots of people go like, you know, they want to go on analysis courses or they want to, they say, do a talk, teach me how to do protocol analysis. You never teach anyone how to do troubleshooting. What you do is you teach people protocol, you teach people the science. That doesn't mean that they can then go in and troubleshoot. Okay. So I, I thought, why not do a talk on the the uh, the art of it and the art side? Because um, I believe it's both. I believe it's both an art and a science. What? Okay. So what do you mean by art then? Do you mean the? Are you talking like sex, drugs, and rock and roll, or are you? <laughs> <laughs> Ideally, yeah. Um, <laughs> um, so. This is where I need to fully write my talk. I've got some ideas of where I want to take it, um, but there are ideas at the moment. Um, some stuff off us. We'll tell you if it's so shit or not. I'll tell you <laughs> if, if it helps. Well, I'll tell you if where, it helps, where Peter, the I idea can, came from. I where the idea this. came from was something I put in the UK Slack, so probably some of you know. Okay. A while back, I was talking. Something came up. I, I think it might have even been Kristen um, who started the conversation. I can't remember now about ping being a, a terrible tool. Um, and, and I mentioned I'd literally just the day before used Use ping, ping as a troubleshooting tool. Um, <laughs> and um, I was I, I was sort of put it and I and that that story of how I sort of troubleshooted something with ping. So we're not even talking about protocol analysis now. Um, I, I was back in the office the next day and telling some people about it. And someone said, oh, well, I'm glad we send you. Because I don't think any of the other engineers would have um, managed to do that. But, but what I did was really simple in one sense. 
Yet I think that statement was true. And I don't think it's because none of the, no one else has the knowledge. I never did anything that they don't know. Yeah. It's thinking around. I, I think it's because they wouldn't have been able to come to the right conclusions. And that got me thinking. It was really simple. Um, so, so I'm going to base it around that, that troubleshooting I did. Um, but it's, um, it was simple. And I think, so, so why is it that other people wouldn't be able to do it? when they've got all the knowledge, and if I asked them a series of corrections on site, they would come to the right same conclusions and do the same thing to fix problems. What they're not doing is asking the right corrections. And I think this is where the, um, the sort of art side comes into it. Use us um, as guinea pigs in this scenario then to see which one of us would ask the right questions and which of us wouldn't. There you go. Come on. Well, I've, I've posted most of it on Slack, so you should all know the answers. Uh, we haven't got memories that go back that far. A bit like Slack, it's lost. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, so, so that was my thinking was, do you ask the right questions? If you ask the right questions, then you'll get to the right solution. Um, I'll, I can use you a bit as guinea pigs if you want, but the the idea is that I think if, if, you, if you take an art form like painting, playing the violin, doing any sort of art thing. How, how do you get better at it? You don't get better at it through doing some academic study on how a violin works, do you? And, and, and or, or just learning about how music composition is. You get, you get better at it by practice. Yeah. That's how you get better at art. You, you practice, you practice, you practice, you practice, you practice. Um, and, and I think that's what's needed to become good at troubleshooting is practice. Um, not just know you can know you you need to know all the science and all the theory, but you've also got to practice, practice, practice. And as you do that, you'll come naturally. I think your brain will get better asking the right questions and and come into the right conclusions. So uh, that's like, the premise of my talk. So you don't like need to listen to my talk. I'm going to have to completely disagree with everything you just said, Peter, because <laughs> you're, you're, you're the you're the president of the Wireless LAN Association, and you're all about developing design standards to stop bad Wi-Fi, which effectively is what you're referring to right now as the more bad Wi-Fi there is, the better you become at troubleshooting. Which is it? Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> you got you, you, you to you kind of like, you know. There's plenty of bad Wi-Fi to go around now. <laughs> you know what? There, there, there is. There's plenty. There's plenty. Of, there's plenty of opportunity to practice. It's a bit like um, there's plenty of fields, isn't there, to kick a football on. So, and there'll always be plenty of fields to kick a football and regardless of how structured and formalised, you know, football leagues are. Oh, what an analogy that but, is. But that's pretty much all I've got. That, that's, that, that's, I need to ride the talk yet, but that's my, that's my premise. I like it. I like it a lot. So what are you going to, are you going to, are you going to like tease it out for us? Are you, what are you thinking in terms of how you're going to, bring that to are you gonna are you gonna come just with some anecdotes are you gonna come with some tricks like hey these are my top five things to use ping and then and then basically destroy christian on stage i'd love that <laughs> <laughs> how am i gonna drag that out for 45 minutes that's what you're asking me that's basically what I yeah, that's yeah. what i don't know yet um <laughs> <laughs> but, but probably some anecdotes, probably some uh, lots of examples. I, I want to. I don't naturally want to focus it on protocol analysis, which everyone expects me to talk. I want to talk about analysis. I want to talk about troubleshooting as a process more. Um, and I, yeah, I'm not too. That, that's where I need to. I've still got time. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> sure. Like to it. work out what that's going to look like. <laughs> if, if it helps, I can publish this uh, 
podcast after the uh, wireless design day has been completed so you can completely freely talk about it and no one will know until after the events occurred and go oh that's where he got his inspiration from Dan, <laughs> don't give him that excuse Dan, i um i saw an email saying that you were talking at why wireless design day. are you are you are you talking still i was but i am i am no longer talking at wi-fi design day uh, you you lost the bottle mate they found someone better. Yeah, saying. sure. Yeah, that's that's what it was. Yeah, let's yeah, let's just go with that. <laughs> Have I missed something? <laughs> yeah, me too. What what's happened there, Dan? Uh well, I've just recently taken on a new job, so I thought that you know it'd probably be a too bit too much to uh uh, but I, I, I thought the lineup changed before you took that new job. Yeah, it definitely did. It was about yeah. a month ago. <laughs> yeah. Is it? I mean, I'm not being. Jensen Ernie's been doing that job for a while, though, haven't you, Dan? Yes. Yeah, 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 well, before yeah. a year. Can I help you out, Dan? <laughs> 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 I mean, it's as if you've. I, I, I feel like it's as if you've allied with somebody else or allied with too too many other people in question here that maybe that's the reason why you're not talking no i <laughs> that was a key word I mean... there wasn't it <laughs> <laughs> did i not emphasize that enough <laughs> <laughs> i uh i i would love to speak at every conference that is available um but unfortunately this one i will not be speaking at I'll, I'll be going. Then. Let's be honest. You've already used hey? your best content. You've already yeah, used exactly. your best content. Yeah, yeah. You peaked. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I was. I was going to. I was going to talk about iPhone Roman again. Boring. Could it talk? Just talk about frame analysis. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to do a proper protocol analysis talk because because on, on the art form of protocol analysis. <laughs> no, 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 no. That's that's all wishy washy stuff. I'm going to talk about actual <laughs> protocol analysis. Brilliant. <laughs> That's what you need. Someone can actually talk about it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm really looking for. I'm really looking forward to it. Actually, it's going to be a quality day in terms of like getting everyone back together again. I bearing in mind, like Wi-Fi designed it. The last Wi-Fi designed it was my first time of like meeting most people. I think. Oh, I had a fucking shocker. And you were I had a shocker getting the Wi-Fi designed deal last time. You didn't come, did you? Well, it wasn't for the want of trying. Well, it was it flooded everywhere, didn't it? It took me about six hours to get there, and you yeah. were on the train behind me. I was on the train behind you. They basically stopped and went, everyone needs to get off and go home. Yeah, I was um, driving for hours. I, I, I went the day before, so I, I but that I was yeah, and then got well, stuck stuck in Birmingham in in my car, just driving round in circles. Well, luckily I came from the south where we have like decent decent infrastructure. So I got there pretty easily, to be fair. To, to be fair, I came from myself as well, because I was doing a course in Oxford that week. I was there very fat. Um, so... oh, I was on the same course, Peter. We went to the same course, didn't we? ECSE yeah. dual shooting. Oh, yeah, we were. We were on the exact same course. So how did you manage to get there well and I didn't? <laughs> no idea, mate. <laughs> Well, by the sounds of it, you were stuck on the ring road and Dan got off the ring road. <laughs> <and he's driving. laughs> to be fair, I, I was uh, following Wise, I, I think, um, in in, and it just kept taking me to all these shut roads <laughs> or, or roadworks. And I was like, no, I can't go the way it wants me to and just endlessly driving around trying to find its hotel. 
Well, luckily this year it's in London, so we probably won't have that problem. Unless oh, you're lovely. driving on the M25 and some fucking idiots super glued himself to the road. I've already got, <laughs> already got my train tickets booked. I'm not driving. <laughs> I'm looking forward to getting on the train. I, I am I looking forward been... to it, though. I've got, like, feel like we've not seen anyone for ages. And then I've got wireless design day. And then the week after, I'm flying to Finland to see a load more people. So I'm mm-hmm. looking forward to those two weeks. Vikings. Vikings. See some Vikings, yeah. Real ones. Looking at one. <laughs> some real life Vikings in. Um, I'm I'm talking at a. Um, I don't really know what it is. It's a, it's a mist day, that's happening in Finland. Nice. I think. I think. <laughs> Does someone else book it in your calendar, Peter? Have you just have you just been? <laughs> someone's just booked you flights, and you well, just basically. Um, the people, I get like messages saying, "Will you speak at this event?" And I go, "Yes." And then <laughs> the next, and then I'm sort of like committed. And they did send me a gen- an agenda, so it does say what I'm speaking on in the agenda, but I've not looked at it yet. So um... <laughs> I'm picking up. I'm picking up a bit of a pattern here, Peter, on your speaking engagements. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's the way it works. Um. <laughs> uh, fair play. Nice. Okay. Well, I this design day is going to be the first one where the ninjas are going to be heading the ninjas up. anymore. Are they not the ninjas anymore? Well, they're sort of fair, but they're, they're like our employees now. Well, yeah, yeah. But we're going to have Matt and Matt and seeing. Does that matter whether they're? I don't know whether that matters or not. I'm, I'm just being. I'm just being uh, <laughs> awkward. <laughs> it wouldn't surprise me though if Ekahau kind of laid down the law and said, "You're mine now, boy." No, I think I think they'd want to use. I think they would want to use the ninjas, like brand and following, and. Do you mean following? I think a few, I think a couple of people a couple of people listen to their podcast, don't they? I think they do. Once they finish listening to ours, I think yeah, it's a, it might it might be a couple more than this one. You never know. They may get four. That's <laughs> true. They've definitely got more than us. They've been going for longer than we have, so I'd expect them to at least have about double our audience. Well, I think the thing is, they obviously come here for the technical content. And then they think, right, I need a bit of light relief. I'll head over to the to the Ninjas podcast. To be honest, the last couple of episodes we've done, because Alan hasn't published them in time, people <laughs> have then gone and used the same content, and then they've become the first ones to do it. So then we publish it, like, four weeks later. And Sounds like, like it looks just... like we're just trailing behind. <laughs> That's deliberate. <laughs> yeah, yeah, of course it is, mate. Alan went on a marketing course. <laughs> we, we we don't want to really steal everyone else's thunder because everyone knows we're the elite podcasters right. in wi-fi so we give everyone else a chance haven't we you know yeah cool. by the way have you heard of that new wireless protocol 802.11n that's pretty cool Tell the engine more. a constant <laughs> Oh, brilliant! What, uh, what are we guys, actually talking yeah. about? I'm just wondering if Chris wants to tell us something about it. That's all, you know. Tell us something about it. So you know, 
He doesn't do Wi-Fi these days, does he? Uh, no. um, oh, yeah. It comes out of access points, uh, commonly known as WAPs. <laughs> I'll tell you what he does do, though. CCNA. Oh, there he's there. Um, big man. Big man CCNA. Look at I, I'm not qualified. <laughs> Are you sure? Flash this is difficult, mate. It's a certificate flash of completion. Is... The tags are showing up. Flash is your badge. Yeah, is that, week. Is that a certificate of completion or a certificate of attendance? Attendance. Like the ECSE course is a certificate of attendance, right? Yeah. It's uh well, no, because you get a certificate. This is it's just you know. Did you it not take an, email, an exam? Basically. It's just an email. You no. just printed off an email. You printed off an email to show you. Yeah. Did you not take an exam to get CCNA? I can take an exam if I want to. Oh, you, you, haven't, haven't, you haven't even haven't. taken the exam? No, because... Oh, Chris. Binary. So hang on a minute. Hang on a minute. So you're CCNA written. Is that what you're telling me? No, no, no. So I wanted to go on the course because they've introduced some new stuff. They've introduced, you know, the DevNet stuff, an introduction to that. They've got the new DNA controllers. They've got SD1, blah, blah, blah. So I thought, okay, I'll take the new revised CCNA and learn all that stuff. First day of the course, I said, okay, this is a seven-day course. Five days are in classroom. There's five days of classroom base, and the remaining three days is... It's not seven. Did they cover, cover maths during the course? Well, I'm, I'm thinking in binary all the time, not in uh, base. Okay, sorry. Base 10, so, yeah. um, but then they said, so it's, a, it's an eight-day course. The three day, you've got three days self-study, and in those self-study days, you're going to learn about DevNet, <laughs> DNSE, and SD1. <laughs> <laughs> so basically it, it was the same course i took like eight years ago now where they, <laughs> luckily they, they acknowledge layer three switches exist now don't teach you about them um they Did they still the tell you to uh, put vtp on the switches yes they do and then the guy the training, breath, say, don't do it yeah the guy training basically said yeah they teach you to do it this way but no one does it this way oh thanks um yep, yeah v- just you know what BTP stands for, don't you, Ryan? Uh, I was going to say, is that a bridging gap vertical T-shirt you've got on? Big, gorgeous, and precious. <laughs> <laughs> Who'd you get that from, mate? Um, Cisco. Cisco? Cisco, yeah. That's not uh, what you said earlier in pre-recording. <laughs> it's come from uh, some uh, company Cisco acquired called Thousand Eyes. How many? At least one. Why have they called a thousand? Because they've got eyes all over the world. What, just a thousand? Up. It's not very many. I don't know. Wait, 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 wait. Okay, okay, right. Before we get into the, just the crap puns, what do thousand eyes actually do? <laughs> well, they see. They monitor. Yeah, they, they, yeah they, they monitor. Well, I think it started off monitoring BGP uh, for ISP, so you could see sort of BGP events on the network. But they've, they've gone a lot further than that now. You can run clients on your PCs. You can host clients... Um, you know, on strategic nodes in your network. Um, they've even got integration with SD WAN now, so you can monitor. Uh, it's, it's basically monitor routing across your network. Um, you is, this, is this why you're getting? Is this why you're getting into it? Because you are Mister SD WAN now. No, I'm not getting into it. I've got a t-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> Did you write a Sky article explanation of what what how Facebook went offline? Um, the bridging gap protocol one. Yeah, the one with, yeah. with the bridging gap vertical and the little diagram. 
Yeah, I, I liked I liked how the center of the diagram was like a the internet, which consisted of Facebook, Instagram, and <laughs> Messenger. Yeah, no, I liked <laughs> it. <laughs> I loved it. It was, it was just it. it was so wrong in so many ways. I I, well, I enjoyed it. You just totally described enough, Christian there. The, the Facebook article about why Facebook went down was the most bizarre thing I've ever read. If you looked yeah. at um, Cloudfares, that that gave a good explanation. But basically, be they had some automation deleted, yeah. which yeah. they had some automation which went rogue and re- withdrew it basically withdrew all the routes and then um it also took DNS down as a safety mechanism. <laughs> so yeah, really? that's just that's just what you want to do when you when you <laughs> from what I gather, I don't know how true this is. But I read that there are all wait, 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 wait there. Let's, fa- let's fact check you first. Where did you get this information from? It's certainly on Facebook, so it's probably true. <laughs> oh, I got it from Twitter, man. Oh, Twitter. Okay, fair, fair, fair. So, fair. from what I read, trust it. So, the DNS service that they use, obviously, their own internal IT systems use the same DNS systems. So, like, they use it for Active Directory. Uh, I don't know, like their access, access control, control. <laughs> yeah, and then realize that oh shit, we can't actually get in the building because the Orlocks can resolve resolve names and their DNS is down, so nobody <laughs> could get in the office. But they they also used it for out of band management, so they couldn't even they couldn't like they're on their ass basically. They had to send in a their their A team into the data centers to fix it. But the one apparently they've got a team in the data centers already, but they're not qualified enough to fix it, so they had to get another team and it just sounded like a massive mess. To be fair, have you seen the type of people who do remote hands in data centers? <laughs> yeah. yeah. The, the thing they is, look Facebook like, they look uh, like Chris. <laughs> <laughs> they are Vikings. <laughs> The thing is, Facebook are supposed to be quite mature in the network automation, which is absolutely terrifying because a lot of us are just starting on that journey and we're going to be answering questions that Facebook answered 10 years ago and they've just, you know, basically pulled the rug from underneath themselves, didn't they? So, Yeah. Nice. Nice. Do you um do, do you use Thousand Eyes in Chris? Um, I've used it. Um, I've, so I've used it... the trial of it a few times, but is it actual sensors or is it or is it just like software? It's software based. But you can you can put it on so they call them I think they call them nodes. You can put you can deploy them out in like cloud environments and on your servers or even on your clients. So a lot of companies now are starting to use it for remote access monitoring because it tests the underlying network as well as a VPN. Um mm-hmm. so you can quickly see, you know, if you know a few weeks ago Sky went down and Sky had problems, you could quite easily troubleshoot that it's Sky and not the VPN. And it does similar with SD1, obviously, because it split your data plane from your management plane. It'll test the management plane. Uh, sorry, the control plane, data plane, um, the underlay, the network. It'll test it all. Nice. So you can troubleshoot where your issues are. And one of the reasons we looked at using it was to determine whether or not deploying SD1 in a site had made had, had caused any impact or caused any degradation so far. So it was quite okay. useful. You can make pretty graphs. What did you What did you find in terms of well, the trial the, the trial expired before we got to that. Point. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's classic. Yeah, I think I think it was the day before, and I didn't realise. So I logged on after. I was like, "Fuck's sake, lost it all." that's amazing. Yeah. I love it. Oh, I've got a question actually. Then, so 
especially while we've got Peter here, this would be quite good. So I'm I'm trying to figure out a way other than just <clears throat> doing a survey, right? Of how can I get some like real world metrics that I can take to a lay person and show them, you know, empirical empirical evidence of this is how your network is performing now and then we're going to go and make these changes and this is how it's working afterwards what do you guys what do you guys do so I, i've done to show that a very similar exercise before um i did a not so technical version and then i used seven signal okay. to be able to monitor the and because it has um, a long history uh, it's easy to be able to export the graph so the first one that i did um what i I basically come up with a few tests um, that were carried out at full office capacity during the day. Okay. So it was like um, you you struggle to have a Teams call with, I, I don't know, more than six participants on a screen share and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I basically did the same test. So I said, right, I want to be able to have a Teams call with up to 10 people yeah. or using screen share and or using video. And I want to monitor the performance of that and the, the perceived experience of it. So is, um, was that was that with Mobile Eye or Sapphire? No, this is the the non. This is the, like the this, this is the first test that I've done okay. to to measure it. Right. This is before I got Seven Signal. Oh uh, right. Okay. Fine. So uh, I did that, and the other one was they use SharePoint. This customer used SharePoint a lot, but it was SharePoint Online. Uh, so they were opening like big big Excel spreadsheets, big documents and things like that. So I basically said, right, I've created a share in, in, in SharePoint. It's got a, a 25 meg PDF. It's got, uh, I think it was a 300 meg spreadsheet, like, you know, with like loads of different formulas in. It was quite complex. Yeah. And I basically went, right, this is what it's like to open now. Yeah. Like, you know, this is how long it takes. And so it was, it was, it was a pen and pencil like you're you're writing down figures. Yeah, or, yeah. But know. basically, I, I didn't just come up with that. I basically sat and worked with some users to determine what they use. Mm-hmm. And one of the other ones was uh, BBC iPlayer. They wanted to be able to stream BBC iPlayer at full HD or something like that. <clears throat> um, and then this is, this is all like your time intensive because you're yeah. having to sit with the user. And yeah, okay, fine. Yeah. So then, um, so it was almost like a user acceptance test, if you like. Yeah, yeah. So we figured out what they wanted and what 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 it looked like now. We made the yeah. changes, and we ran the test again. Okay. Um, and that was the way we were doing it until I seen Seven Signal. Seven Signal changed that for me because it gave me rather than perceived user experiences. Yeah. Because I don't know if you if you'll realize or notice is the quality of experience felt by Janice on floor four yeah. as opposed to Peter on the first floor will be completely different for a number of different reasons. Right. And then this is, this is the, this is the thing that I'm coming up against, right? Because like quite often you'll, you'll be working off something, say like the amount of support tickets that come in. Right. Yeah. And then you'll make a change and you'll tell people that you've made a change or whatever. And then you'll notice that, that, actually the support tickets go up 
because people yeah. are aware that something's happened and and so therefore you get people that wouldn't have bothered kind of stepping up and saying oh you know this has happened or whatever it, they then feel like they should because they've been told a change has happened and then you end up with more tickets and it's like well actually that's not representative of but is it is it representative introducing another client and getting that to do the heavy testing for you because no, surely because you're into the observer the observer one of the, effect where one of the major problems that i found is you're not necessarily testing the wi-fi at this point mm-hmm. you're relying upon a lot of other things and things working perfectly so I remember I'd done this change and I could see major differences in terms of file transfer speeds, right? And I sat down in this meeting. I went, right, so it is better because we've got this, 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 and this. That's much faster. And Janice from accounts went, yeah, but Outlook still crashes. And I'm like, well, okay. I, that isn't <laughs> Wi-Fi related. It's just like, like you're running a 12-year-old PC, love. No, 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 no. <laughs> this is um, Microsoft 365 and stuff and she's like yeah but i'm in outlook all the time and that's my biggest problem now is that outlook keeps crashing i'm like right so but this this is the thing about the perceived experience between different users mm-hmm. so i had to find a way of being able to measure it um, outside of that so that's where seven signal came in like I said and using the sapphire eyes so there were four deployed on each floor you know four corners those are like they're like big AP type. They're not that big, you know. They're, they're um they're they're quite deep, but there are the circumference I'd say of a yeah. ubiquity access point. Okay. Um, they're they're not they're not too big, and to be honest, I didn't even bother mounting them on the ceiling. I just put them on desks. <laughs> All right. Nice. To 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 the point Probably where yeah. somebody actually said to me, um, "Can you come and uninstall this, please? Because uh, my my Wi-Fi doesn't work anymore." And I was like, right, okay. I think they're better on that. Yeah, because that's where the users are. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, that was that was my um my, my sort of argument for that is just put them on the desks. Um, one, it was easy to install because it was just quickly just lash a quick patch lead in and away we went. Um, oh, but yeah, they were right. Quick patch lead in. <laughs> yeah, a little banjo string right across the top. Yeah, nice and easy. But um. Then we started to set up some um, specific SLAs. So if people haven't used Seven Signal before, um, I'm a bit of a fan. <laughs> <laughs> but it you can set up custom SLAs. So they, they have loads of default ones that come out of the box. And to be honest, you could work off that. Um, but I was able to set up um, file transfers. Um, so do a HTTP file transfer, like a fake one. Um, between the seven signal um, Sapphire Eye and the there is a, a a cloud server that you can use that okay. is part of the seven signal uh, subscription. Oh, the and, like Sonar or whatever. It's yeah, called. the Sonar. Yeah, yeah. That's it. So it would do a HTTP download from there. Mm-hmm. But one of the good things is you can deploy that Sonar on site, so you can determine whether the Sonar whether, whether the file transfer is WAN related. Or mm-hmm. land related. Do you, do you see what I mean? So you you get to break it down that bit further because the one thing that we have to determine is a Wi-Fi issue is caused by poor internet connectivity, mm-hmm. or is it poor land connectivity, or is it just you know 
just poor Wi-Fi, you know. Yeah. Um, so it's good the, to be able to... They're, they're cabled in as well, aren't they? So they've got yes. they've effectively got a wireless connection and they've got the cable connection. Yeah, so one yeah. of the good things is when it, when they run their tests, so they will do a, a HTTP upload, HTTP download, they do it on the wire, Yeah. and they do it as a wireless client. So the radio associates to one of your SSIDs mm-hmm. and acts like a normal client would. It would associate, authenticate, Mm-hmm. And then it would basically say, right, I'm going to run these HTTP tests. One of the other good things is you can also measure the association and authentication times. Okay. Um, so you can say, right, well, I've got this EPTLS network and I've got a, a pre-shared key network. And you can work out, you know, if there's any uh, sort of delays in mm-hmm. a, an authenticate, maybe it's a, a radius problem or anything like that. That's uh, so what it times that and it, and it logs it and it shows you in a graph. So it runs all of these tests. Uh, you can set the interval. Um, you can see, do it every 15 minutes, half an hour, hour, day, whatever. Um, and you then can set what is good and what is bad for you. Mm-hmm. So if you say, well, actually, if, if HTTP uploads or downloads uh, fall below, let's see, uh, 15 megabits per second mm-hmm. uh, for three consecutive tests. I want to know about it. Okay. Because that would indicate a problem. So if you're running these tests every 15 minutes mm-hmm. and each time it's ran, the HTTP download results are below f- your threshold, let's say 15 meg. That means for just under an hour, you've had quite poor download performance. Right, wait there, because... I, I can see Peter smiling, so I want to I want to see what, why why he's smiling. <laughs> Come on, Peter. What, what? I was just smiling like Kristen putting his hand up. Oh, um, as if it <laughs> and he's waiting what, to speak. What are you putting your hand uh, up for, Chris? Why, why do you need sensors doing tests when you've got clients passing traffic? So this is before mobile eye. And what I wanted to, because I said there are a lot of a lot of issues that can cause Wi-Fi problems, and I see a lot of issues being caused by clients rather than actual Wi-Fi. You know, dodgy drivers, uh, dodgy chipsets in in terms of roaming and things like that. So um, I wanted to rule that out because I had no control over these devices. You know, these are corporate managed devices managed by the customer. I had no visibility or control over them. So um, I don't want to put those into my tests. Um, I did actually roll those devices into the tests at a later date. Yeah. But I just wanted to understand because, you know, you're, you're measuring the impact of the actual Wi-Fi. Yeah. And that's so, what Dan's asking is how do you measure that? Yeah, so, 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 yes. so that's, that's your solution is have a have a like a, almost like a before and after of yeah. like tests that are run periodic tests that are run over a set. Yeah, set but the good thing is is that I had that data. That data was kept for ninety days. Yeah. Um. So I was able to say, you know, you get the especially in office environments, you get the peak days, you know, where everyone's in the office, you have the busier days where there's more meetings and things like that. So you can sort of pick up like your, your, your busy days and whatnot, and then also compare those with after that. So it's not okay. just, you know, 
the day before run a test when there's nobody in the office and then the next day run a test, but there are people in the office. Do you see what I mean? It, it's it's taken a, a decent baseline across a number okay. of days. So so nowadays, so, you know, fast forward to today, would you still use the sensors or would you go for just just uh, like agents uh, running on the Are line? you asking if I would now? Yeah. Or whether I would recommend it? Because they're too... No, 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 just, just, yeah, no. What, what, what would you do? Now, you personally. Um, uh, uh, <laughs> are you forget forget where you work? <laughs> what you like? If you, then yes, I would. Yeah. Okay. Fine. I, I like the sensors, and now mobile eye is there mm-hmm. in terms of seven signal. I, I love that. It's brilliant. Yeah. Um, so, and one of the, one of the best things about that is, uh, I don't know if anyone's used it, but is the, the way that you can drill down into the types of clients that you've got. So it will give you a view and it'll show you say, I don't know, windows 10 laptops. So then you can click into that and you can say, well, these are your Dell, your Lenovo's, blah, blah, blah. Then you can click into it again. And says, here you are your... Yeah. So then it'll say, well, it, of your Intel Lenovo laptops, these are the chipsets that you have. Um, so it will be driver, like uh, yeah. the AC 8625 or 8226, whatever they are, um, your AX201s. And then it will and then it'll give you uh, performance metrics for those specific adapters. So you can rule out or you can find out whether uh, a specific driver or chipset is performing worse than others. Mm-hmm. Um, so you could be, the, the device could be roaming and they could say, well, actually, these Intel AX201s aren't roaming very well, but every every other device is roaming fine. So you, you to, get the, 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 yeah. The answer used to do similar, didn't they? They used to capture what devices you had and and do. I've, I've not used the answer for together. a while. I had a little look at it, but what about VMware? Wasn't it? It did, but it was. It relied upon. Rather than sensors, it was using your in existing infrastructure, but then you had to be, I think it only worked on certain equipment because it had to have a specific API. Am I right? No, I think it were a, was it in software? Did it have a hardware node you could deply and plug into your one? I forget. But you'll probably know. It was a hardware appliance. Was it? Um, right. And it basically took, it basically did a, you had to like mirror a link on the wide network. It took in packet uh... data. As well as you're right, it worked with certain vendors, so you could send um, basically syslog messages or, or SNMP data from wireless controllers to it. From I think, I, vendors. I think and that's it merged the two, it, it, all the data together, and did sort of analytics on it. Yeah, and I think that's a power in these systems. It's the analytics rather than how it. Well, not rather than, but you know, the the analytics and how it can. <laughs> yeah, uh, and how it how it can pull data from other customers and anonymize it and help you troubleshoot your own network. Um, so Seven just... Signal didn't do that oh, at right. the time. I don't know if it does it now, but it definitely oh. didn't do it at the time. But that was a power of my answer. Was it? it? It used other customer data, aggregated so data. Someone had upgraded, like to I don't know, a new Cisco firmware revision, and their network performance had got worse. You could get a notification before you upgraded, yeah. letting you know not to do that. You know, one thing, one thing I don't understand is why 
these hardware sensors don't capture association requests because there's no real tool to other than the wireless lampi to understand what client capabilities are and that's key for planning on planning the change you're doing your network and how you design your network uh signal does does it doesn't so it will do periodic packet captures and we'll do on-demand packet captures, but won't do... No, just specifically the, specifically the association requests. Uh, a lot of capabilities. A lot of tools do that. Mm, I'm not seeing one. Peter does it. Can I... Um, walking around. Can I say you, something, you can can do I say it, something but, controversial? But, but, but vendors do it as well. If you look at MIT's APs, they tell you the client capabilities from the association uh, requests. For okay. example... Um, that there's there's a few tools that do it. Um, the problem with it is that association requests lie because clients <laughs> lie in them. But, but they they, they don't it. tell you the truth. Um, packets never lie, Peter. The packets never lie, but um, client devices client devices lie in their packets, which is what's so good about it. So association requests will often tune their capabilities. What the AP has said its capabilities are. So if you've got free spatial stream client and your AP is two spatial stream, the client in its association of course decides to support two spatial streams because there's no point saying it does three because the AP only does two. But we can't trust probe requests either because the clients will say they can do everything. Yeah, no. So so you can't, that's what I'm saying. You that's why my whole life's been that's, online. That's <laughs> why the WLAN high, why, why they did, because I, I I remember pointing this out. Um and it's what led to the development of um, the, the basically acting like an AP, which says I can do everything, because it, the right. WLAN Pi now you can set it up and it'll say I can do eight spatial streams. Basically, it says I can do literally everything, and therefore the clients are not going to limit their response because the AP is pretending to WLAN Pi is pretending it can do everything, and therefore the clients won't limit their responses back to it and not lie. And that's that's the reason for that. But you, in a normal network, clients lie all the time. What's the implications of that, though? In terms of, well, what difference does it make? Does it mean that the the clients will get found out when the AP says, "Okay, then I'll send some frames at a, I don't know, multiple spatial streams, or I'll send it at a high data rate." Compared, to, what is the implications of that? There's no implications. Line? They're not lying. They're not saying they can do more than they can do. They said they'll do less. They 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 were understating. So there's no implications, and they only understate if the AP can do that. So if the AP is less capable than the client, the client doesn't bother telling the AP things it can do which it knows the AP can do, because it's just yeah, more efficient. But we're talking about it the other way. But we're we're talking about the client saying it. it can do more than what the A. We're talking but about it, the client saying it can do that's, more that's, than what it can no, do, no, not I'm, what I'm the AP saying, can I'm do. Saying, I'm saying the client says it can do less. All right. Okay. So I, I guess. But there's I'm not going to be many circumstances. Then you're gonna you're gonna say it depends, but there's not going to be many circumstances where a client is more capable than. Of course, it depends. Yeah, oh. the clients often are more capable than you know. Um, most people, you know. People may have AX clients and still got ACAPs. That, that, that's quite common today. But how does an but how does an ACAP know that it's an AX client? 
It doesn't, and the client doesn't tell it because it doesn't understand it. That's what I'm saying. That's why the clients lie. So clients don't always say all their capabilities because they don't need to. There's nothing from a practical point of view. Is it lying? Is it just like, don't want to hurt your feelings? No, no. From a a practical point of view, there's nothing wrong with it. But if you're using that to identify client capabilities, that's what I'm saying you shouldn't do. You should not use forever crets and association responses to to understand client capabilities because they don't tell you it. Yeah. They tell you some of it. It's like when Peter's talking to you, he doesn't use his big words. Yeah. You know? That's it. <laughs> he uses nice, short, concise words so that you can understand him. It is magic. <laughs> <laughs> I've got nothing to say about that. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm going to come back with a response that says, I'm telling Peter that I'm, I'm, I know everything there is to know about Wi-Fi, so come back at me. That, that's the analogy of a client, isn't it? Saying, I can handle what you can send to me. Send to me everything that you want to send to me. What, what's the problem with that? What, what is it in? What is the real Nothing. issue with that in terms of you're, you're saying clients lie? Okay, I've lied to you, Peter. I'm not really a CWE. I'm really just someone who just did a CCNA course like Christian. <laughs> and, but what would you, what would it, how would it impact the conversation that you or I have going forward as a Wi Fi to AP client, uh, a Wi Fi oh, client to an AP? There's no problem with it at all. But what, why do it then? Why do it? Because why why say you can do something? The risk is if I say I can do something that you don't understand as an AP, you may not understand the message. So I'm not putting any extra fields or anything that you're not going to understand. I'm trying to okay. make it easy for you. So from a practical point of from a practical so point of view, the, it makes sense. The early doesn't it just doesn't make the sense the, when people try and use protocol for something it's not meant for, which is identifying the client capabilities you can't do that from the person it isn't it a mute point though it doesn't matter realistically it doesn't matter it doesn't because at the end of the day the way wi-fi works is that your 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 client is only going to be able to kind of transmit and receive at its capabilities anyway no no it's it's basically saying access point i think you're a buggy piece of shit so i'm gonna withdraw everything extra i can do to talk at your level but what's wrong with that that's good protocol. Not, well, not, nothing's wrong with that unless you but you're, want you're to use that information that you're, for other things. It's only, it's, only, it's only wireless and professionals who think, oh, I know, I'll use that packet to identify client capabilities and then get in a mess. <laughs> it's, it's, <laughs> it's not the protocol. The protocol's good and working as it should. It's just we're trying to misuse it. Us humans are the problems. Yeah. No, the vendors are trying to misuse it, not us. Wi-Fi Alliance, it's your problem. Fix it. <laughs> that's the truth. But that's, I suppose that's that's where the WLAMPI is useful because it's saying I'm the world's greatest AP, I can do everything. It allows the client to say, Yeah, oh, great. Well, I can't do all of that, but I can do this. This is my maximum. Yeah, oh, but Clients are used by a lot of dif- a lot of different people, and I always thought, why isn't there a way like a cloud platform for wireless lampires to talk back to, to share client capabilities? A bit like um, I was no, the other clients. Um, Michael Barno. Yeah, it's a yes, shame that because that's not getting updated like anymore. That. Um, I remember. I think that's because it, I said that it, it it's not proper client capabilities from the association requests because it doesn't. Um, <laughs> Because clients lie, and I think I sort of um, they ruined it for yeah, everybody. I may have um, slightly. Mm. Uh, so I am, 
Because the information wasn't right on it. That was the problem. It was a great resource, but it had incorrect information on it because it was coming from, they were using the association response and it wasn't always true. But if, but if, we, but if we had that automatically pulling back from WLAN pies, that would be right and we could use that. To be Until fair, you get the, the, the that captured was clients. from a WLAN pie. Sorry, mate? The data in which I captured the, you know, the profiler yeah. was the latest version where it did this, I can do everything, what can you do type of thing. Yeah. Um, I uploaded because it was, um, you, it's always handheld scanners, you know, it's, um, but actually because it didn't get uploaded, I've actually just kept a copy of them, you know, the WLAN uh, profiler output that it gives you. Yeah, I've, I've kept that so that for my own records. But um, I thought it was a really useful tool because just mm -hmm. this week, uh, sorry, last week, I was on site at a warehouse and I've seen a scanner that I've never seen before. And it was just some Android piece of crap. Um, and I didn't know what it could support. The data sheet had nothing in it either. It didn't tell me what channels it could support. It didn't tell me anything. So I had to use the profiler to be able to find out. Peter, maybe you can maybe you can answer this question. Maybe all of you can answer this question. It, is there not a problem with the WLAN Pi advertising itself as an AP doing things that it it can't do from a regulatory point of view? Like, is there is there any reason why, say, for instance, a NetAli couldn't add that same client profiler option? to their to, to their you know nxg or their g2 or whatever because like for instance the the sidekick can only receive stuff right it, it's not transmitting anything is is there a reason why for instance the sidekick couldn't give us those client capabilities just a nick no but but there's but isn't there a reason why the sidekick doesn't transmit it only receives it's to get around regulatory um, issues, right. yeah. Um, because it, it would be they'd have to pass it through a lot of regulatory tasks, which it currently doesn't go through. Right. Um, and and if you then brought it to certain countries, it would only lock down on certain channels, whereas you can listen on any channel because you're yeah. not transmitting. So I can. Uh, it's okay for me to listen on channel 13 in the UK, or channel mm -hmm. 14. Sorry, and it's okay. That's allowed, even though it can only transmit in Japan. So they, by making it listen only, they don't need to go through a lot of regulations. Um, that's the, wireless, the only reason that well, I can have done the, the wireless LAN Pi is software. It's using other people's hardware. So it's not the regulation. Right, so, that, so that's my question, right? By, so because, yeah. so for instance, like, you know, I've got, a, I've got a USB port on the side of my G2. Could I not just stick a Comfast? But, but the wireless LAN Pi isn't actually doing the things that you'd think are illegal it's just saying it can no no that's no so, what, so it's so transmitting on is, channel one and saying i can do everything and the client no, goes oh, i'm on channel what one I'm saying, like, so for instance the, the double Pie doesn't have a cloud backend but the g2 does right so what 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 could stop net ally from adding in the capability of me sticking a usb dongle in the side of here USB Nick and then going, right, okay, now broadcast. You wouldn't need to. It could do it. If they wanted to write it, they could make the G2 do it. It's got wireless card, isn't it? It's the might of the wireless Lampi legal team that's holding them back. But, but, uh, no, they could, they, you could, they, 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 could, do it. they could write that 
beat you in if they wanted to. But would they not have to go through the same regulatory? Because at the moment, no, the it does doesn't... transmit. It's just, really informa- it's just information elements in a frame. It, the, the, the G2 is a tra- has already been tra- regulated as a transmitter because you can connect them while it's sending it. You can so connect it to active tests. So that's already got that functionality. So, so it's just not... software that's needed. Didn't we talk to them when they, they talked about the painful uh, experience you have to go through to get that certified and stuff like that? Yeah. Yeah. Well, come on, James Kokoska, let's get it done. What are you waiting for? Because then we, because then we could have a link live backed live database of all clients. I, I, I'd, I'd be game for that because um, I like the G two. I, I, I use it on site a lot. It's a good handheld tool. Um, I'm never going to get asked to. Speak at Wi-Fi Design Day. Am I freaking bringing out all their compared? Never. Again? Uh, but it, it is a it is a pretty good handheld <laughs> tool and uh, excellent for hunting down sources of interference and stuff like that. But having that um, profiling capability make it so much more useful. We've, we've gone off on a bit of a tangent. We'll talk about sensors, Ryan. And now we're talking. But no, because yeah. you asked about no, association. I, I think you had a... No, I did. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not blaming you. Blame me, Alan. You had a question about the sensors, <laughs> didn't you? Okay, so so Alan's had his hand up for 15 minutes. Yeah, no, he can't. Gone out. Uh, what are you trying to ask? It's going to be too tight for a while. But... <laughs> it's, it's, it'll be good. It's called the no. It's called the stranger now because all the blood's come out of it. So <laughs> no, that's fine. The, the only thing I was going to say was um, why. <clears throat> Wait there, he's gone soft voice on us. Turn your, why? Turn your mic off. <laughs> why? Why is my mic really quiet? Yeah, you're, I don't really know. Quiet, you're just speaking, speaking quietly, mate. Go on. Okay, right. You put why your serious it? voice on. Why is it? It's um. Why is it? Oh, my must... Is this you lot messaging? <laughs> are you, are you rever- like a like a mother? Okay. <laughs> I thought you were reversing. <laughs> so immature. You still have to put up with Peter. This is why I do like you know wireless line association. Webinars with um, respectful people like uh, Sam Clements. Come on, mate, and, uh, get it. Get it. <laughs> Come on, ask uh, your question. So, um, so my, my my question is this: um, It says, um, "Big old man, <laughs> why sensors? Why why don't we use sensor capability inside the client? Why do we have to have a separate device in order to tell us what is the performance of my clients when the data that's received from these sensors?" to a degree, is from a skewed perspective, as it is with MIST and everyone else that does infrastructure sensors, that it's from the infrastructure's perspective. I think I can answer that. <gasps> Go on, then. Uh, so, majority of clients in the world, it, let's talk about laptops and stuff. Uh, what operating system? Windows, yeah? Windows doesn't have access... <laughs> Look at that. <laughs> Windows doesn't have access to... Uh, the low-level driver information um, to be able to do those sort of tests, um, to be able to put the the to do tests on the network card, to be able to put it in the promiscuous mode, to be able to listen and do other things. Um, Mac, well, you need to look at solutions. Allow you to, yeah, why, why, why do why do you need that if all you care about is the data? No, but I'm, I'm answering Al's question. You need to look at PAP solutions because that's exactly what they do on a Windows machine. App Who? solutions? With a client agent. What about yeah. Rampart? Do they, MetaGeek do something similar these days? Absolutely do that. 
um, look at um, if you look at wireless's I um, if you go to mobility field day the let's mobility field day um, they presented that's it and they presented that exact functionality in the windows client path solutions path solutions path. Yeah. Mm. the islamic banking path. solution provider path. solution yeah. path. Sorry. <laughs> I thought you said oh. PAP solutions. I was like, PAP solutions. Uh, no, I've, I've Googled PAP the solutions. PAH, PAH. The top one that comes up is the Islamic banking solution provider <laughs> providing. It's them. it's them. It's them. The, the branching out. Half solutions. Okay. Cisco, Cisco do it with iOS, don't they? With the uh, DNA assurance stuff with their secret sauce, apparently. They do, yeah. They get you've, got to, you've got to actually use. DNAC for that, which so if you look at Pat Solutions presents at Mobility Field Day 25, you'll see the presentation. It, uh, it was very good. It was a little hidden gem, I thought, in the Herlock network in um, Mobility Field Day. It was, uh, I thought it was a bit of a hidden gem. Yeah, um, it was very good. You thought it was very good, the point that you've completely fucking forgot it and knew nothing about yeah, it. Yeah, you, we had a bloody wireless. Whatever this thing's called, wireless podcast. The week after you went to OFT, you never mentioned it. Never mentioned it once. You went, oh yeah. Well, I've been talking. I've been. I've been. I've been talking then... to them for the last couple of weeks about <laughs> bringing them into the. the why new are you obsessed company? with? But why are you obsessed with Natalie? No, 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 I'll tell you what, Path Solutions, they work really well with NetAlly. You can pick up all your G2s and your NXGs and everything through through Path Solutions as well, actually. So, hold on. So Peter's explaining this solution. We're saying there's not much on the market there, and you have got no clue what you're talking about, eh? No. Hey, what's wrong with me asking? What's wrong with me yeah. asking a question because I actually know the answer I want to get to, and Peter's got us there. <laughs> Peter's got us there anyway. Because it's fucking confusing, and you're confusing the <laughs> crap out of everybody else. It, Ryan, it was you who said there was nobody who could do it. I didn't say yeah. there was no one that could do it. I said, "What do you guys do?" No, I said, "Ryan, you're called Dan." Dan. Oh, Ryan. Ryan. No, well, what I said was that the Windows, like natively, you couldn't do that. That's what I said. Well, you can now, but you can. Well, not natively, you can't. No. You can't just do it out of the box. We not natively, is no. what I'm saying. And then, who can you do it out of the box on? Mac. Not not natively out of the box, you can't. No, you can't. With no software installed. iOS with Cisco DNAC. So that's not natively out of the box then? Well, it is. You get a phone out of the box and it works. Na- if you've got natively out of the box with, with Mac OS, you get all of their wireless diagnostic stuff built in. But by your, by your definition of out of the box, you can't use wireless out of the box because you've got to put an access point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fair play. I, I, I'm going to go to bed now. I'm sick of this. <laughs> Fine. Get the diagnostics, but you don't have any sort of way of collecting that. Oh no! Yeah, no, that's that's, that's fair. Yeah, yeah you, you don't have a uh, a bank of graphed information you can go back to. Yeah, I, I'll give you that. Um, so what, okay, what was the addition to your question, Al? So you've said why can't we do that? We've obviously just discussed yeah. this so, around so the table. The question is, can do that? Do we really need? If we were better. If if APs and clients were better at doing what they do, which is to communicate wirelessly using 82.11 protocol, if designs were as good as they were supposed to be, do we need sensors? What is the point of a sensor? Why, why do we need to constantly monitor 
the health and performance of the RF and everything else that's happening. If, if, if everything else that the Wi-Fi Alliance was supposed to be doing to make sure that rigorous testing of client devices happened versus the fact that buggy APs or buggy codes and Cisco APs and that kind of stuff was eradicated so that they weren't so much bloat. The need for sensors would probably diminish, right? If, if everything was working as well. Yeah, as but I, I, I wouldn't need the ending engine dashboard light on my car if my engine works all the time, would I? <laughs> I thought you sold that piece of shit. I've got the up. Yeah, but the over. thing is, okay, okay, what I'm so okay, your analogy is crap, Christian, because there isn't sensors on the road telling me how bad I drive or yes, the problem with my car. Camera. No, that's just capturing how fast I drive. That's not capturing the problems <laughs> with my driving. No, all right, yeah. how do you capture here, here's the problem? How do you capture someone who doesn't indicate when they want to turn left or right at a roundabout or a junction? How well, do they you... typically buy an Audi or a BMW for that? Hang on, <laughs> how, yeah, but how do you capture someone who's just sat in the middle lane on the motorway who doesn't move over? right how, how do you capture these things which are kind of not not i guess legal or the, the, but these are the well, things that happen well, within wi-fi that. that couldn't be like this is really annoying and you're ha you're having an impact on everyone else who's trying to kind of transmit their data mm -hmm. and get on and off the airwaves how, how do you capture that in your analogy that this is where i'm kind of going okay. with this to, to so get smart it. smart motorways can now capture middle lane drivers they can <laughs> to do that using sensors but the point is that you're never going to get to a perfect world where every client and every access point works all the time no and Al's not saying that Al, what Al's That's saying why you need a is he's saying how we, we live in a world where clients don't operate correctly we we, we live in that world we, we, we're there now Al's saying how do we capture that but without sensors well I'm also saying is that if we did a better job in making sure that we, I guess, regulate or police the clients better in terms of making sure that they're fit for purpose before they're actually released to the consumer markets and also with the infrastructure side of things as well. Do we need sensors? You know, that's what I'm asking. I'm asking a philosophical question. Um, to be honest, I, I see a, a benefit to having sensors because... Because it makes seven signals, profits go through the roof and you get to no. sleep with Jim Badger. <laughs> <laughs> I could do that anyway, to be honest. Just, <laughs> but the the benefit for a lot of organisations and managed service providers are they don't always have full control over it. So Dan, working for whoever the fuck he works for now, um, is contracted to do maybe Didn't just a Wi-Fi job. Yeah, um, that that's his sole job there may be another managed service provider that looks after the compute element of it. So installing software onto the clients isn't that simple. But Dan, and within his remit, is capable of being able, well, don't know about capable, but is able to put a sensor within a building to monitor that and take control of that. And I guess it just, it, uh, I, I think... Meantime to innocence. Hey. Meantime to innocence, you put a sensor up to prove it's not your problem, it's someone else's. <laughs> Correct. So, so, take, so taking, taking Alan's analogy, right, of the, the motorway and driving, things like that, the answer to Alan's analogy is self-driving cars that always, that no, always. No, it's, not, it's, it's, it's do your driving test every it, five to ten years. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, because, because the the problem actually is the human element right it's the it's the fact that something's been set up incorrectly or 
a code has been pushed that hasn't been tested or you know xyz and and so maybe <laughs> maybe mist's vision of self-driving networks is the solution that if you can get a system that if you if you could get a if you could get a almost like a protocol of client capabilities and and what the client sees sent through like an open api or whatever that that would go to any vendor so the stuff that the stuff that cisco are able to see from apple devices right the the secret source stuff that cisco and apple have where the cisco infrastructure can hear what the apple devices here because it sends it through the packets right if if that was opened up and was available to aruba mist ubiquity you know everyone then now what you're saying in terms of not having to have a sensor could be something that happens because you could get all that data back from every single client the problem well, is still it's, sensors. it's a proprietary thing between cisco and apple but there's still, there's still sensors. What you're thinking about, Alan, is a sensor has been a physical thing you put on the roof, yeah, on the ceiling. But what it's using still the client, the client no, is a sensor. I'm 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 questioning the validity of that analogy you've just given. That is a sensor on a roof, which is a completely different device and a client device in its own sense that just listens and then tells you. It's like a witness, right? This is what I, this is what I saw. This is sure. what I hear, and it's secondhand. But, it's not but, actually but, the actual. It's not the actual. Well, this is what the iPhone 12 actually heard the frame at, or yeah, what. sure. But but that's but that's where. So, for instance, mobile eye for Seven Signal, that is that now, isn't it? Yeah. It's it's the it's the client itself reporting back. This is what I am hearing. This is what I am experiencing, and and you're right. That is where we need to get to for every client. The problem is at the moment is that there has to be this kind of path solutions or seven signal mobile eye or whatever and all those things are great apart from the fact that they don't work properly on an, an apple device because apple don't open up that api for for people to be able to get that information off of it and that's the problem is that you've got all these separate proprietary ways of doing these things that means that you know apple and cisco work really well together and isn't that great well it's great for apple and cisco but it's not great for anyone else Okay, let, let me ask you a question then. What, uh, just to so try and frame a few things, let, let's pretend whether it's from a client, it's from a sensor, you could get the perfect solution, get the perfect data for Utopia. What, what data is it you want? What, why do you want a sensor or monitoring system? And what data do you want to get from your clients or from a sensor? Well, you want no incidents. You want, yeah, but what data do you want? You're talking about a sensor. A sensor just gives you data. Yeah. The data is specific to individual people. We, we, we nail this in the, in the wired world. There's so many sensors and network performance uh, software vendors out there that can basically get you any information that you want, right? And we're pretty good now at being able to generate tickets based on that. You know, when uh, WAN links get to a certain threshold, a ticket is raised, incident, and then the engineer is looking at it. We don't do that for Wi-Fi. Although it's critical. Peter's asking asking either two things. One is, is what is the actual specific information that you need 
from a client or sensor to actually tell you something or is it the scenario in which it's beneficial to have that information and do it what it is depends, it it depends on what problem you try to solve i mean ultimately we're, we're there to make sure that clients but what if there is no problem does it matter that you've need got to sensors talk? that tell you everything why do you need a sensor if there's no problem no, but this is this but is important and this is what i was getting at none of you have told me any data but christian has said we need to know that the clients are working and yeah. and i think this is a problem with with all these systems is uh, 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 and dashboards on wireless LAN management consoles even I, I would say i don't think the wide world is that good they will give you loads of dashboards and graphs they'll raise tickets and half What's... the time the tickets are ignored because yeah. the tickets are telling There's you white noise yeah the tickets are telling you a threshold's been thing or, or maybe let's say every client did what apple and cisco are doing from every client we can get the hours i don't know the hours aside what are you going to do with that it's mean time to innocence that's the whole thing so, with that not, is it? somebody highlights if someone highlights a problem you've got a sensor which well, my, say it's not us but, but you don't know that all you know is it's not the five metrics that you're monitoring no but what i so what i would like to get it are it is the decision tree that's happening right so so just some visibility on the decisions that are being made in the client so that i know okay right this is this is how this is why my client is making these decisions or this is these are the things that are impacting my client's decision about what it does on my network so that i can so that i have the tools available to design a network in a way that is optimum for that that particular client or that particular situation or that or, or or even just understanding okay you know if if this is the if this is the decision that this client is making how is that impacting and how can i balance that against the other clients in my in my network so, so you would use sensors so like to crowdsourcing network. no no i would use the data from the clients themselves so having so for instance with 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 ios like because that's what i know right so with iOS, I, I know for a fact that it's taking into consideration the type of deployment, how fast the person is moving. Um, it's taking into consideration things like, am I using data or not? It's taking into consideration, um, it, all of those things go into what, what Apple calls its quality score for a particular BSSID. So, so all those things, right, would be great to have visibility of so that I can understand as, as a device. And what I'd really like to get is that based on a space in time and location so that I can make the decision on, right, okay, well, those things combined, I'm having an issue in X area or, you know, this particular time of day or, or whatever. Why? Why am I having that issue? And only by knowing what the device wants or is looking for or how that quality score is being generated, can I make an informed decision on how I can help that client. But what if what if those metrics tells you that that client is having a bad experience because Apple have decided, but actually you go and talk to that client and the Wi-Fi is absolutely great for them? Well, then then that's fine because 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 if so. What I'm not saying is I don't want to know, like, is it able to do what it needs to do? Because if it's able to do what it needs to do, then great. But what what I'd want to know is if it's not able to do what it wants to do, why? So, so as an example, we, we've got 
we've so I know of a building which is basically two buildings joined together, but with a strong wall between them. And from any point on the left or right side of the building, the iPad can only see two access points, which makes it go really sticky. It doesn't want to roam. And the experience in that site is terrible. And the only way to fix it is to put in another access point just so it can see the three and it can go, okay, I'm not in, you know, I'm, I'm in enterprise mode now. I can roam more freely. Without knowing that, it would be impossible to troubleshoot that, select, that that situation because all you're seeing is a client not roaming. Yeah. You don't know why it's not roaming. Yeah, but you, so you, you, need, a sen- you need a sensor to tell you that, though. But, but that, that, you're, think, you're again thinking of a sensor as a physical thing on the ceiling. A sensor can be a device. Well, yeah. what, you, what you need to understand that, though, is how Apple roaming works and how they... Exactly. Kind of, you're, yeah. you're not getting that from a metric from a client. That's what I'm saying. So, no, no. Yeah. I guess what I'm trying to but say you is... Can, but you can get that from... You could get that from the client. The, the client could tell whatever system you're collecting that data from, these are the things I'm looking for. These are the reasons why I roam. These are the re- That's what I'm saying is that I, I want the metrics, but I also want the, the green triangle algorithm. Yeah, that, and, I, and I agree. We want the green, but most vendors don't publish it. So you're not going to get it. Where we should be going then? Well, what, what I was trying to get at, I think the important thing is user experience, yeah. um, not a, a bunch of metrics on a graph. Um, because, yeah, I and I think we're, as, as engineers, we love figures and, and, and numbers. Um, we, we do it with how we validate wireless lens and we come up with, we want mine at 65 everywhere and we're going to go around and make sure we hit that. Users don't give two... Yeah, shakes off a lens. So I've got minus sixty-five or not. They, they, they care. Can I get connected? Do my applications work? And there's lots of things that could affect that. And I think what we need is more intelligent ways of finding out is a user having a good experience. It's yeah. Um, it, it's a little bit. It's what MITs are trying to do, um, with their user experience levels. Um, and I think. I, I I like I'm not I don't actually think they're 100 percent there yet. Um, but but I, I I can see where they're going. Um, but I think I think that's what we need to do. Is we need better ways of measuring user experience. And I think you can do that from the client. But I'm not sure. Yeah, I, it's very hard to quantify uh, because what, what user experience looks like for me isn't actually going to be what user experience looks like for someone else on the same network with the same client. Yeah. Um, and I think it's quite hard to establish that. Um, so I, I, I think sensor networks have a place. I, I definitely use them. I'll, I'll use any data I get. But what I don't like is you get loads of, I, I think there's a lot of systems that give pointlet statistics today, um, yeah. an awful lot of them. Like, you know, there was one vendor that I, I'm not going to name names, but they, they do an hour of quality index. It's a percentage. No. Uh-huh. <laughs> I, mean, yeah, I don't know what it means. And it says, and it goes, the the, the, the the quality is, you know, 10%. And customers are going, have I got a problem? What is it? And I'm like, I don't know. I don't know even what that means. From experience. <laughs> All your users are happy and no one's complaining. So <laughs> I've got no idea what that And then people go, oh, it's 80% channel utilization. Well, Channel utilization, what on earth does that mean? I, there's about 100 ways you could calculate channel utilization. Mm-hmm. And unless vendors are telling you how they're calculating these things, 
And, 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 I think and it's a, not a bad thing, is it? You know, if a channel's being utilised because it's being utilised, then great. It's not necessarily <laughs> a bad thing. Um, so there's all these... We, we love metrics, I, I feel, and I, I'm not sure... Uh, I think it's all about what, what we're going to do with those metrics and how we're going to actually find out is, is it's impacting a user. Um, and, I, and I think that's where AI and machine learning and, and, and stuff like that can come in. I'm not sure anyone is, is there yet in the industry. But, but I think it's where we, where we can get to. Well, they've nailed it in the toilet industry, haven't they? Because when you go to those toilets on the motorway services, <laughs> you get them, uh, them buttons that says, how clean were the toilets? Green for good, yeah, yeah. amber <laughs> for not so good, and red for, like, covered in shit. So, like, you... <laughs> you know? And that sends, a, that sends a message to the cleaner to say, you've done a good job today, or you, you've not done particularly well. You're so, going to get so, paid. And you see, that that's interesting and, and we can rely on that in wireless which you've already alluded to because users don't give correct feedback exactly a, a lot of the time um because you know as you you, you can sit there and say if, if if wi-fi is really so terrible it doesn't work and it's been like that for a few years and the users stop using it so there's no tickets there's nothing to tell you it's bad yeah um and then, uh, as Dan said, then you change something that's starts working a bit, and you tell them they all try and use it, and then they tell you why it's rubbish again. Um, really or or they, they, they're so used to the Wi-Fi being bad, you fix the issue, then you go around and you go, how is the Wi-Fi? And the default answer is it's terrible, it doesn't work. And they go, oh, yeah, it's not any better since you've made that change. So user perception is, I found it takes a long time to change. From you making the change, user feedback and perception isn't going to, come back for a long time so you need some way of measuring it exactly yeah um, and, it, and it's and it's not just it's not just user perception that people have used it 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 spreads like if somebody says oh don't use wireless it's crap that next person i'm not gonna bother using it. it's crap and people have got a perception that you've got a problem even though they haven't actually tried it and haven't formed that opinion for themselves mm -hmm. yeah, well, let me so ask I, let me ask I a question all the other day where wi-fi was terrible it didn't work they paid me to go in as a consultant there's a whole lot of things went down um do, do you know what the issue was yeah there's no 4g coverage no there's no 4g coverage and no, people weren't even trying to connect to the wi-fi but the 4g wasn't working and therefore the Sounds like free money, if, you if you actually got them to connect to the wi-fi it worked fine um but um but the wi-fi didn't work and it was terrible and um yeah it was a really bad experience i, I guess a, um a point that's, that's part of the other problem that there, people Peter, people about um how we get these uh we walk around with a sidekick and we see like neg 65 and things like that one of the warehouses i went to last week uh i went to do uh, an assessment on the new deployment that they've done the customer that is um and you know, it was a big warehouse. The access points were 15 meters in the air using omnidirectional. Um, you know, the, the usual stuff you see. So I'm writing it down, taking pictures, I'm all sucking through my teeth, going, Oh, that's not good. You know, you need directional antennas here. And I'm I wrote, I'm I'm speaking to the customers and I'm like, So do your clients work in the way? Yeah, work fine. No problems. I don't get any problems. I'm like, Well, you don't get any problems at all. He's like, No, handheld scanners roam. They're connected. Well, they probably get any problems with the disconnect. Because one AP covers the entire. They're probably never around because one AP covers the entire. Well, that's probably true. To be honest, I've seen I've seen sites like that. Um, um, yeah, and they work absolutely fine because those scanners were, you know, they worked fine on A two two dot eleven. You know, B. 
they work fine yeah. at one and two meg and they'll work fine all day long with one meg and they don't need a lot so so i've, I've, I've now got to write you a document to 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 you know point out all these problems with deployment and you know configuration and stuff like that but then i'm at the bottom it's like well <laughs> devices they, they still work i remember and... writing a i remember writing a report and i said this network is a great example of how resilient wi-fi is <laughs> that was that was my that was my like ending statement for the report it's a great <laughs> it's a great example of how resilient wi-fi can be well it's it's a valid point and um yeah i don't think i think it's going to be quite will a change long time will it get we any there. better with, but if you, you install sensors in that warehouse they would tell you the Wi-Fi was terrible and you should change something. And actually, probably nothing needs to change it. Yeah. And, and I guess that's my, that's my point. Um, I, and I do think sensors are valid. I'm not trying to knock them. I'm just saying we, we need to... I, I don't think any... I think the most important thing is we need some way of determining can users do what they want and do their applications work. So do you, so do you think that the, the answer then is to have these agents on client devices that aren't just looking at the wireless metrics but that they're also looking at the application metrics like the the, the tcp you know in, in terms of what what is this application what are the requirements for this application so for instance zoom has its own you know its own yeah. requirements that are needed for that particular application are those metrics being hit yes or no and then and then kind of going well no those those things aren't being met and then looking at the wireless metrics and going well why might that be rather than just what we're currently doing which is just looking you know with these sensors and things just looking at the wireless metrics yeah i think that's right it's got to be application specific and you know i've been in environments where there's been you know 60 70 percent retries it's absolutely terrible wi-fi deployment in it it's, but actually the devices deploying only need about you know five percent of the channel utilization anyway so yeah. that's all they're using so actually it works fine for them yeah. um and i've actually designed networks what uh, because of certain clients that which if anybody else looked at it or sense looked at it, you tell me it was <laughs> the worst wi-fi ever you know 2.4 gig radios um so much co-channel interference you couldn't possibly imagine it but it was um to support its 2.4 gig only Wi-Fi printer, which had such a lousy card, it was about 25 dB less than my laptop. <laughs> um, and and unless it saw a really strong second AP, it didn't run. Wow. So you had to provide all the APs blasting out on full power on 2.4 everywhere, lots of them, or the device just didn't work. And for any other device, it was a horrible network. But these printers, it was exactly what they needed. Yeah. Um, so uh, and that was the important thing so it's yeah i just think it's i just think it's interesting really is how we um it's about determining whether a networks do meeting it's all to do with requirements it comes out is it meeting requirements and how and we collect all these requirements and then we seem to i think forget them um we, we then go actually now i'm just going to only worry about signal strength and i'm going to validate i'm going to look at retries i'm going to look at and actually now, what was the requirement? The requirement was for this device to do this function. Yeah. And actually, we, that's what we want to monitor. Um, what I use is a good analogy for some people sometimes when I have to talk to customers or, or others that would argue the case. 
and I, and I actually used this analogy and I used it once and I was like, I don't know if it's going to work, but it might do. It's something about what you just said, Peter, about the fact that I always say like, um, you know, it, there might, you know, the, the analogy I gave was the atmosphere. How much oxygen is there in the atmosphere that we breathe? What percentage of oxygen makes up the atmosphere that we breathe? What percentage of oxygen makes up the gas that's in the atmosphere that we breathe? It's very small, isn't it? Something like 16% oxygen, but we only utilize 4% of that. And I actually use that as an analogy to kind of emphasize the point with, with wireless clients saying, look, it, everything might be busy, but as long as this client can still communicate and transmit its data, um, because the requirements on it aren't as huge, uh, you know, they might be just barcode scanners or whatever it is, that's enough for it to work. As long as it can get the signal, as long as it can transmit the data, as long as I can breathe, I don't have to have an abundance of oxygen. I don't have to have hundred percent of oxygen. You know, there can be other gases that might exist and trying to relate that to, to interference. And it was just trying to use analogies like this to try and explain to people. I don't know if it makes sense to you guys, but it's what I used at the yeah. time thinking on the spot. And it kind of resonated a little bit, but maybe I need to sort of like hone on in it and just fine tune it to sort of like make it make it make more sense. But but to me, it was like, well, there you go. That's a great way of trying to explain things in terms of to a degree, a bit of utilization and a bit of user experience. It's like, I'm happy, I'm breathing. That's the main thing that keeps me alive. I have oxygen. There's something like, I don't know, what, 16% in the atmosphere? 21. Fuck off. Right. There's always one in it. Google it. <laughs> 21%. But what do we breathe in? 4%? Or do we need 4% to survive? Or something yeah. like that. It's, so that's that's it's, kind of where like we are. Whole... With... Yeah. Go on, I'm it, finished. It, it's like the whole... Maximum number of clients on an access point. Like I, I, I never understand that when people say oh, there's going to be twenty clients. It, it's about the traffic they're transmitting. You know, within a, a cell, only one client can transmit at a time. If there's ten clients doing Netflix and ten clients doing email, that's the same as twenty clients doing Netflix and email. Like, I, I don't understand why people get so hung up on device numbers. Oh, Peter. Oh. Peter, Peter, Peter. This well, is Peter, we've we've spoke about this. Well, actually, we we we've discussed this on some of our um, standards committees meetings, haven't we? Where we've we've kind of referred to this. Um, and Peter, do you want to explain? Do you want to kind of talk about how you don't? Well, agree? I, I don't was um, reading my Twitter, so I wasn't listening. So uh, Christian, 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 repeat that because um, this is good. This is good. This is why we brought Peter in. There's no right. There's no difference between. He's forgotten now. <laughs> there's no if right. There's no difference between having ten clients on Netflix and ten clients doing email than twenty clients doing Netflix and email, because only one client can transmit at once, and only one packet can be transmitted at once. Yeah. So the, the important thing is what what's actually happening. Um, so a lot of people talk about um, needing to know the number of devices on the network. Um, <laughs> I think my opinion is 80% of the time, you don't need to know the number of devices. You need to know the number of users. Um, the time devices are important is if you're doing high density, well, I would say very high density. So like when you're going to get close to, if you think you're going to get close to the association limit on an AP, as in like, stadiums you're talking or, or large conference centers where you're going to have 10,000 people in one room or um and you're going to need to make sure you can at least associate all the clients all the devices 
So, so you've always so knowing devices is important, but in enterprise office, even university where you've got maybe 400 seat lecture theatres, I don't think um, devices are important. I think users are, and the reason being, I don't think it matters whether users have three devices or four devices, is because I think what matters is what what is a user doing, and I don't care whether they do that over two devices, three devices, one device. Um, what matters is how much bandwidth do they require on the network. Um, the example I always give is, let's take a student study room in a university. They've got, let's say there's 50 people in there. Now, th those people, what, what are they going to be doing? Well, they might be streaming a lecture that they've learned. They might be downloading some study material. And they're, they're more than likely listening to some music as well um, because they're studying and they've got the headphones in. Now, they could be streaming Spotify on their phone and they could be accessing lecture material on their laptop, but they could be doing them both from the laptop. They're consuming the same amount of bandwidth where they're using one device to do it or two. It doesn't matter. What matters to me is what does that user need to do and how much bandwidth do they need to consume? Um, that is. It's also what what. Is a human capable of? You know, a human cannot be listening to Spotify at the same time as being. No, they can't. Um, so, so no, I, I disagree. It doesn't uh, matter. I could, I could be watching this on a laptop now, right? Not listening, taking part, but present, right? So my laptop is streaming this feed. I could be on my headphones with my phone on, and I could be, I don't know, listening to music, and then I could have an iPad that I could be sitting here on. Facebook or whatever it is. So I could have three devices that are each hogging Wi-Fi. We're, we're not talking about no, but you people could, but you like could do that all on your laptop. I could, but you don't know. But you don't know. No, I don't care. It doesn't matter. That's what I'm saying. I don't care. I just want to know what you're doing, not how many devices. Doesn't bother me how many devices. I just want to know what you're doing. So if you're doing, if your if your user activity is Zoom, streaming music, and Twitter. That's that's what you consume. I don't care whether you do it on three devices, one device. I just care that's what you do. But does it does it matter what if there's been any QoS involved in those things? Well, no, because it's the same amount of packets, frames. Sorry. <laughs> but 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 does not. So okay, but going back to your, it doesn't matter how many people per AP. Does it not matter if there's quality of service involved? Uh, so does a client contend with itself? Well, well, no, but 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 it wouldn't if you're all coming off one laptop. But if you're coming off a laptop and an iPhone and an iPad, then... uh, for for me, the number of people matter from a way of working out how much data has been transmitted. Um, so I tend to work out, you know, I, I talk on what do users typically do, and then you've got 20 users, I know. But um, isn't that an aggregated? But but I you're, don't. You're, you're aggregating that data, though. You're 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 sorry. You're assuming that I'm using three devices. So let's say I am using three devices versus you using one device to do everything. So you have a laptop that is streaming, listening to music, and also messaging friends on Slack, Facebook, whatever. Whereas in this instance, I've got three devices that are doing it across uh, three devices, right? We're both consuming the same bandwidth. Okay. 
not are necessarily we? though are because we, though? because if i'm watching a youtube video on my phone that's going to be considerably lower than it could be say 4k 8k on my laptop but is that the same thing as is bandwidth the same thing as, what, what, as what are you trying to get to? are you trying to get to see what we've not talked about here and this is <laughs> going to come on to another project this what what, what you, you I could argue, say, why does that matter? And you're going to say, because I want to calculate capacity. I want to come up with some sort of capacity calculation. I guess, is that what we're trying to get to here? No, I'm not, actually. I'm just trying to ensure that the... the, the I'm thinking airtime. Yeah, and me as well. I'm thinking... Yeah, um, so, so you want to be able to calculate airtime? To, to agree. I've, I'll be honest, if I've got one device transmitting lots of data, I've got one device competing for airtime. If I've got three devices... Well, if let's say me and you are competing for airtime, I've got three devices versus one device, even though you're trying to, doesn't matter what the bandwidth you're consuming. Isn't that more of an impact over Wi-Fi than any more than more than anything? Isn't that the critical part of what we would assume is the more devices, then the more contention there is for Which your devices don't need to access Wi-Fi as often as my one. Because they do. I do it. They don't, because you're doing little bits on each one. Yeah. No, hang on. I'm, I'm, doing it. Yeah, I'm going to try and do it more than you. Um, but the, the, the correction still stands, which I'm getting to. Why are you wanting to know all this? Is it that you want to calculate our time? I'm asking you that question. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, guess, it, I guess it would be. Okay. Well, my, here's my premise. Here's my premise. He set us up here, Dan. That's no, he has It's yeah. impossible to calculate our time. I see, I knew he'd go there. I knew he'd go right. there. Here he is. Let, let, me, let me throw a spot on the left. That is the title of my talk I've submitted for WLPC this year. It is impossible to calculate. Well, I think I've said not our time, I've said capacity. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't vote for that one. Good. Um, <laughs> um, it's so, impossible so, to calculate, calculate capacity. Um, that, that is the title. So, I've got, I've got, I guess, an extreme example of what we're talking about now. So I've been speaking to someone who's introducing um, Teams devices, like they can do Maricast, basically. Um, and what I've advised is that you'd be better, they're only doing it on 2.4 gigahertz, there's three channels, I said, you'd be better introduce, instead of trying to avoid the channels, just putting the Maricast devices on the same channel as a local access point. So there'd be two access points transmitting with the clients talking, to those two access points, how would you even how would you calculate airtime there? Instead of trying to avoid it and span the contention domain across the entire building, localize it. It's 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 the same. You know, it's one cell, it's one channel, it's one client accessing the air at the same time. It doesn't matter if it's your BS society or somebody else's. Doesn't make any difference. You 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 uh, you you've only got each channel has so much capacity. Which you share amongst the devices who are going to use that channel. That's how Wi-Fi works. It doesn't matter whether they're uh, there's multiple APs, one AP, they're all contained in. So uh, yeah, so so I always say that if you if you had, and this is my problem with co-channel interference as a term, if you had one access point and I had two BSSs on it. One which was called corporate, one was called guest, okay? And there was 10 clients connected to each one, okay? 20 clients connected to AB. That's okay. We all do that, don't we? We design wireless networks like that. 
no one would tell me I've got a, that CCI or anything like that. Yeah. I took two access points, both on the same channel, both on channel 36. On one access point, I configure an SSID called GETS. On the other, I configure an SSID called CORP. And now I've got 10 clients connected to those two APs, and they're in the same area. I've got CCI suddenly. That's bad. We shouldn't do that. But is there a difference between the two scenarios I've talked no, about? No, it makes no difference. It makes no, and the best no thing is, but, but, but from what you guys have just said, you would treat them differently because of how you do your capacity calculations and the fact that you say there's 10 devices and 10 devices have this much airtime. And on oh, second day, no, no, Dan and Alan have. Yeah, because it's like saying, here's a lottery, right? Here's the lottery. You can you enter once and you're the only entrant, you've got access to 100%, right? However, Dan decides to buy a lottery ticket as well. Okay, so now you've got two people <laughs> buying for, right? And then you've got Christian and buys a lottery ticket. What I'm getting at is surely that's the same analogy. It's not a lottery. It is a lottery because it's DCF. Well, if if no, you no, buy DCF, a lottery ticket, DCF is a lottery. So because, but, but it's a but. That's not what you're saying because every time you send a packet, you enter the lottery, not how many devices. It's yeah. per packet. And if I'm doing all the free no, things no, no, on my, no, no, la no, my no, laptop, no, no. I'm buying 50 no. lottery tickets and no, you need devices are buying 10. No. No, I don't believe but that. My, so, no, 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 yeah, no. So I, I, I agree with Peter there. My thing was when QoS gets involved. When QoS gets involved, yeah. Yeah. So say, so say I've now got 20 voice clients. Yeah. And, and, and what I'm, so what, that's the only time that I was saying, surely then we do need to think about capacity in the no, sense that's, of that's 20 voice clients versus one client running 20 voice applications. Every, every client I would say is a voice client nowadays, which client doesn't need to do v v v Zoom or, or Teams. But I guess to answer Dan's question, if every client was marking the same, yes, marking the, the traffic with the same user priority, effectively you've got no quality of service. It's absolutely true. Yeah, no, exactly. So, so then when you've got more, so when you've got other clients on that same, on that same channel that are trying to access, but because you've got a, you know, you've gone over the limit of allowable QoS. You're, you're only talking about contention window number here, right? Yeah. The random backup timer is literally a number between 0 to yeah. 6 versus it being yeah. whatever it is. 0 to 32, whatever. Which yeah. means that you're going to have more clients. More collisions. Well, yeah, I guess you could say that, yeah. Um, which is, which is again, coming back to my lottery number issue, right? Is it not? The fact that no, you've no, got no, no, more, no, because, more, more no, because... people participating. It's no, not so a case what, of gaining access. What I'm saying is that it's not about bandwidth, it's about application. It is. It's about applications because what yeah. mass traffic is applications, not devices. Exactly. Um, that's is, what I'm sorry, that's what I was trying to get to was that it's uh, it's it you know, because if I if I've got a bunch of clients that are trying to just send data and I've got a bunch of clients that are trying to do a bunch of voice, the voice clients are going to cause a problem for those data clients. But to who, it, though? Again, it doesn't matter the devices. I've no, it doesn't two, matter about the devices. Got, in mine and Alan's situation, he's doing it on three and two. I've got two applications doing voice, and yeah. he's got two applications doing voice. Yeah, yeah, that does make but a client. A client won't contend with itself, though, will it? So it does make a slight difference. 
So if yeah. you've got five clients doing voice and five clients doing data versus five clients doing voice and data, yeah. so, so, the client so will come with and itself. This is, this is now getting into a bit my what you're trying to do. Are you trying to calculate capacity? The big mistake and people make when trying to calculate capacity, and one of the reasons I say you can't is people assume that there's all this contention going on all the time. As in, every, all these clients, we go, oh, well, you need this so much benefit to your application. It's for, it's for you. And you're all going to be doing it all at the same time. I That doesn't happen very often. It happens far, far, far less than most people think. Even in really, even in, I don't know, a lecture theatre of 800 students, how often will they all try and hit? Wi-Fi packets go so fast. How often do two devices actually go, I want to send at exactly the same time? You will be surprised, yeah. I think, if you saw some data on it. And I, I want to present some data. I'm just getting permission to use it at WLPC. Um, you'll be surprised at just how that very, very rarely that happens. Right. Uh, yeah. My, my first job were at a, a, a contact centre. And one of the first days in training, so if you're nervous about being on the phone, don't worry, because only 5% of the time someone's actually talking. <laughs> it, it, it's similar. You know, you're on a phone call for an hour. Most of, most of that time, silence. Nobody's talking. Yeah. Like my, but, but I think what you're saying there, Peter, in, in terms of, that's where I was trying to get to the point of QoS, that, that, that that's where it can become a problem in terms of capacity and in terms of if you've got a mixed-use environment where you've got people, and like you say, nowadays, you know, what people aren't using voice all the time. Yeah, yeah. Well, 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 yeah, but that now is a problem, right? So, so having to build out networks where, you know, people are on, you know, WebEx calls or, you know, using voice over IP and, you know, stuff like that all the time, that that can be a problem because we have to, we have to give some sort of quality of service to voice, but, but we're effectively taking the available, you know, percentage that collisions could happen and we're squashing it right down. Because we've got so many clients We're encouraging now. the collisions. Exactly. Yeah, well, and and that's why your your WMM settings are configurable, and you can change those thresholds. Yeah. If you've got a single area with lots of voice clients, the first thing you want to do is change the default um, contention windows. I've, I've, I've talked on this before because you end up if everyone's picking a random back off between zero and three, <laughs> you've got twenty voice clients. The chances are they're going to pick the same number. Yeah. If, and this is, goes back to my point, so why is it that, so I've seen environments like that, why is it that you would think, well, no voice calls will ever get through? But and that's do. because a voice call transmits a tiny, tiny packet mm -hmm. every 20 milliseconds. So you know how many of those voice packets you can transmit in 20 milliseconds? And, and, and what are the chances of two voice clients actually picking the exact same time slot to transmit it? It's actually quite rare. That's what I'm saying. It, it you yeah, can yeah. It, it takes with modern database, it's so quick to send these packets that even if I'm you know a millisecond apart, I'm gonna have to get one packet and the next one because yeah. they've been transmitted um so fast. Um and it's not gonna be an issue. So we, we do need to think about it and it is an issue, but it's um I don't think I, I think what we tend to think is oh, I've got 20 voice calls everyone's on a voice call 
they're all going to want to transmit exactly at the same time. But, yeah. but they won't. Yeah. That's what you're saying is we need to change our designs then. So don't worry about designing for like, you know, seven voice clients per AP. Actually, we should be designing for what, 20, 30? Um, potentially, I'm just saying the way we design capacity, we need to think about because I think people who same, do capacity saying what we need is sensors everywhere. People who do capacity <laughs> end up with too many APs. Yeah. Well, that, that's good though, right? Too many APs? From a sales point of view, we yeah. Get, we get paid. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, man. That's been good. Uh, we get paid for AP. Um, it, it's really okay. interesting. I've, I've, I've I get paid per classroom. I've looked at a few different data um uh, analogies on this but i was looking at some data I, I can't say too much about it um but it's um was looking at the amount of the utilization of the ethernet pulse of ap's on a very very large global data set that's got to be really um, small right you're talking about the ethernet Ethernet port utilization of an access point is a gigabit. It's going to be tiny. It's going to be tiny. It's going to be tiny. Well, what sort of bandwidth do you reckon would be average? 10 meg. 10 meg. Yeah, 10. Less. Well, there you go then. That's what I mean. I was being optimistic. No, but a lot less. Keep going. Now. Oh, all right. Yeah, you're going to kilobit, kilobits. The AC is receiving. I would have said kilobits, not megabits. time. Yeah. But that's what I'd say. I'd say it's, it's receiving one packet at a time, isn't it? Yeah. So, 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 well, I'm just so, so it's interesting that you're down it for 99.8 something percent of the time, you're down at kilobits of all access points. Of but, really, really but, you need but you need to make sure you've got M gig in base T. <laughs> so, so, but, but that, but, but that comes from the fact that, that you know, that that does have an therefore an impact on when we're talking about wired utilization. If the utilization there isn't on the wire, it obviously wasn't there on the wireless either. Yeah. So basically what you're saying is that 802.11n is actually fucking good. It's great. Well, you don't need AC. You don't even need AX. I'll, I'll be honest with you. We had 802.11g networks running until very recently. We, we on, the only reason they were replaced is because the controllers went end of life and you could run HD. You can do whatever you want in those buildings. Absolutely fine. <laughs> do you know what? That's an interesting question because I always wondered whether or not A and B and G. Well, let's get rid of B because obviously these different um, uh, modulation schemes, right? But with them, um, <laughs> you, for, you forgot what modulation was called then, didn't you, mate? <laughs> I did. I've had a few beers, man. But B, but but A and G, OFDM and everything else, is still good. But the only thing that I found was a massive hindrance with it was multipath. Which I genuinely thought that was 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 genuine. Like clients receiving so many singles and going, oh, now well, what do I do with all this? And then when N came along and the clients were N capable, meant that you could deal with multipath because of was it MIMO? Isn't it effectively? Is it right? MIMO? Yeah, it was MIMO. Yeah. Um, does it does it mean that 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 the N is the pinnacle? That that we don't need to go. We 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 don't need to go any more better than N because AC gimmick, AX gimmick. BE gimmick, Wi-Fi 6E, great, because it's a brand new frequency, but do we really need to go any more than N right now? Because I'd argue that you don't. I think N is the bollocks. Personally, I don't think it matters about AAC, AX. I think N's more than capable, in my opinion. Have any of you disabled multi-user MIMO on your network? 
Who uses, I, I, who uses that? Not exactly. Of... I've disabled it. No, no, nothing's noticed. I would say I, I like a, a, a AC. It's my favourite Wi-Fi standard. Um, uh, well, because you bond thing. channels, right? Because no, because N was a horrible standard. If you, it, it had lots of issues. An AC fixed all the problems with N. Um, AC so wave like, one or AC wave two? I, I think. Yeah, I, mm-hmm. I think a- AC fixed a lot of the issues with N. I think AC and discriminates against it, two point four. And I think um therefore it's a it's a nicer standard. Do we need AX today? I don't know. Um I'm not I'd 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 like to see it working fast before I um <laughs> Oh burn <laughs> Ouch. I love it. On that note. Yeah. Peter, thanks for uh, thanks for showing up at the pub tonight. That's okay. Yeah, been good. Been a pleasure to join you guys. Yeah, I think man. there'd be a few excited individuals who listen to this podcast. Grateful that Peter's attended and uh, shared his knowledge. Given the the uh, census on census. Ooh. The title. There it is. The, the <laughs> census on census. I'm writing that down. <laughs> <laughs>